Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, we talked to Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic netball coach Nolene Totoa about how they intend defending their trans-Tasman netball title. We hear from Olympic yachting silver medalist Blair Tuke about his bid for Rio 2016, despite the attraction of a professional sailing career. The Wellington Phoenix is sifting through 200 or so applications they've received for the head coaching job at the club. The Warriors coach Matt Elliott discusses how they're going to overcome their sluggish start to the NRL season and Olympic gold medal winning rower Nathan Cohen's back on the water, but not with his London partner, Joseph Sullivan. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic begin the defence of their Trans-Tasman netball title this weekend when they play the Canterbury Tactics in the opening round on Sunday night. At the start of the season last year, the Magic hardly appeared title contenders, losing the first four games, but they went on to become the first New Zealand team to win the title with an incredible 12-match unbeaten run. Magic squad again has a strong Silver Ferns contingent and six of the seven on-court players who featured in the grand final are back. Their coach, Nolan Toro, spoke to Bridget Tunnicliffe about the season ahead and just how they intend avoiding the same start as last season. We started um, in January the 7th and pretty much set our team values and goals right away. So we've been working that for the last two or three months and getting our standards to what we think is, is right at a good level and and um, quite confident um, in regards to a lot of stuff that we've been working on going into the first round. It must be nice knowing that you've got six out of seven of the on-court players who won the grand final last year. I think one of the great things about Magic is that we're very stable um, and, you know, a lot of our players um, have, you know, been with Magic for a very long period of time and that's always comforting, um, but it's always making sure, you know, as a team that we keep pushing the boundaries, um, that we look at definitely the things that worked well, but we also look at areas that we know that we can improve on. So it's, it's helpful to have a bulk of girls that have been with me for a few years. Do you think you've got a fairly obvious starting seven? Um, uh, yes, I do. I think, you know, it's, you don't have to be a brain scientist to know who's going to be on the court. Um, and I think because of that, we've really worked hard at, at um, putting something different out on court, really looking at individuals and, and coming up with something new and challenging for them um, so that we don't, that we're not predictable. Um, and I suppose I'm looking forward to, you know, on our first round, seeing these glimpses of the stuff that we've been working on. How's Casey Williams? Does she have any, any lingering knee issues or anything? Oh, she's fantastic, actually. I mean, obviously it's something that we have to keep managing um, year in, year out, or week by week. But she's done so much work in the pre-season, um, and she's in great shape, not only physically but also mentally as well. So she's ready to go.
Obviously, getting the season off to a good start is ideal, but I guess what last year taught you is that it's a long season and sometimes it's not until halfway through the season that the teams really hit their straps. Exactly, and and that's a really good analogy. You know, obviously last year winning the last or losing the first four rounds wasn't ideal, but during that period we learned so much, and and everything became quite clear. You know, you either did or you didn't, and you take the consequences. So that was that actually helped us form our standards um, and and what's required, and knowing that each week we've got to be not only physically but also mentally ready to take the court and. That has allowed us, that whole learning has allowed us to just take that next step up. So it's, it's been good. Who do you see as the most dangerous Australian size? Do you th- think the Vixens are up there again? Yes, I certainly do. I think Vixens are definitely there. Looking at um, their pre-season results, um, they've been quite dominant there. Um, I think uh, Adelaide Thunderbirds, I've always had great respect for that coach and also what they've been able to produce out of court in the past. Um, So those teams, I think those two teams would definitely be in the top four. And over the past two seasons, it's been a tight contest locally between yourself and the Mystics. Do you think this year your biggest local rival might actually be the Pulse? Yes, I do believe so. I think Central Pulse, um, when they, when you look at the recruitment that they've done, um, over the off season, um, and the signing of Donna Wilkins, who will make a definite improvement in that shooting circle, um, I think they will be a force. Um, I think they should be top four contenders. Um, and definitely, you know, it's going to be a battle in the, in regards to the New Zealand franchises. Is there a pressure that comes with being the defending champions? You know, it's it's quite weird of the things that we're talking about at the moment because it feels like over so many years, Magic have always had this sort of monkey on our back. You know, we've been quite close to winning a final, but never quite done it. In 2012, obviously, we did win ANZ Championship. So this year, we actually feel quite free, to be honest. You know, we, we've really looked at our product, at the things that we want to get better on, um, and we feel free that we can just get out there and play you know, we haven't got that bogey on our back anymore. So um, it's ex- very exciting times for us and definitely we're very proactive and we don't feel like we're defending. We just feel like we're just going to get out there and play. That's the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic Nipple coach Nolene Todora talking to Bridget Tunnicliffe. The Olympic sailor Blair Tuke says there was never any doubt he and fellow silver medalist Peter Burling would return to the Olympic Games to try and go one better. The question was whether it would be Rio in 2016. The pair have confirmed they will campaign for the 2016 Games in the 49er class after winning silver in London last year. Duke says it's not a decision they've taken lightly as they've had a number of professional sailing opportunities put to them. It's taken a while to make the decision. It wasn't one we took, you know, took lightly. And, um, you know, but we're happy now that we've made the right one. And I think one thing that we knew straight away after London was that we both wanted a gold medal at the Olympics, um, both Peter and I, and it was just a case of whether we did it together in the 49er and whether we did it this time in Rio or another time, and um, I think we've just made the decision that we think now is the best best chance to have of doing that and, and together in the 49er, so it's, you know, it's pretty cool, and um, you know, I'm just happy that we've made the decision now and get on with it, I guess. What were the major considerations? Sailing other boats, you know, getting into the professional sailing scene, I guess, um, both understand that we're 
from what we've done, we've sort of got the opportunity to do do that sort of thing. Looking at the conditions in Rio and what we'll face there, and then just probably the main ones, just you know whether we'll you know just both want to commit this time around, you know, for another four years because it's you know it's a lot. There's a lot of commitment, and um, we enjoy sailing together, so that you know that made it a lot easier, and um, you know it's really exciting. Is it one of those partnerships that? It just works well on the water and off the water. You don't have a lot to do with each other, or is it not not like that? How 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 does it work? No, it's quite quite the opposite. Actually, we um, enjoy the company on the water, but off the water as well. We share a lot of the same friends and um, enjoy enjoy doing the same things: fishing, um, wakeboarding. Um, need to get paid into spearfishing, maybe. Uh, but each of other, you know, we just enjoy hanging out. But um, you know, there's times when like any relationship, I guess you got to take your time apart when you're travelling together all the time. And, um, you know, we spent, I'm not sure, last year we would have spent over 300 days together probably, in, you know, in one year. So um, that's, you know, it's got to make sure you be smart about it. But um, it's pretty cool that the core relationship is there anyway. And if, you know, if we not sailing for the same goal, I think we'd be, you know, friends anyway. So that, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. If it wasn't the 49er class and you were looking at professional sailing what what areas or where would you be looking in particular i think the america's cup's pretty exciting now with the big boats but um obviously it was you know we were never going to get on team new zealand or any other cup boats um this time around so late in the piece um but for the future the america's cup's pretty cool especially in these new catamarans um but for me personally i think i um the volvo ocean races you know where i see myself going um I really enjoy offshore racing. I did the Sydney to Hobart in December, and that's um, enjoyed that experience. And uh, yeah, I'd just be just need to convince my mum that I will have to go around the world, and then I'll be away. I think. Is there any likelihood you can do anything outside of Forty ers between now and Rio, or is that really going to be your focus? I mean, no, you've that's got to, you... yeah, that's a good question. Um, would would you know? We'd love to be involved in professional sailing when we can and through to Rio but um, I think anyone that campaigns or even if you watch someone campaigning for the Olympics you realise that there's not much out, not much time for anything else and um, we've got to be smart about it and we don't want to do a few things and do them all poorly, we'd rather do one thing well and um, you know, we've got people around us that will make sure we do that um, but at the same time if there's um, opportunities that arise you know, we'd be happy to take them but um, Definitely the uh, Golden Rio is the, is the main priority for the next four years. So might you look to do the Sydney to Hobart again this year? Yeah, um, yeah, that, that, that could be cool. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to do the Fiji race um, this year up from Auckland to um, Fiji. So that that's just things like that will just tick away. And Pete's got sailing that he'll do as well. Um, he's got doing the Moth Worlds, which is the foiling moths, pretty cool boats. Um, and... Yeah, we've got other sailing that we'll sort of keep doing, especially this year. Um, we're making a point of sailing other boats, so that you know that that's great. And it's not just sailing you, you've got on your mind too. I, what you hope to finish your electrical apprenticeship? Yeah, I do. It's something I left school a little bit early and started doing that. And I had a awesome boss that allowed me to to do my electrical apprenticeship while I was still sailing a little bit. Um, but then it got to the point, sort of three years out before London, that. I just had to concentrate on the sailing, so it's, um, you know, it was a big part of me growing up doing that, and I just want to make sure I get it finished and get qualified. And um, Pete's carrying on doing some uni papers 
for the engineering degree. So that's that's it's all you can kind of see how how we've sort of structured this year a little bit by those these things we're taking on. It's not all forty nine er sailing. With uh, an electrical qualification too, you might be a, a handy crew member to have on around the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd hope so. And I've um, luckily the sort of stuff I've done in my electrical apprenticeship was on boats, um, or some of it was on boats. I sort of know know the systems and stuff like that, which is great. And um, you know, it would definitely um, help in the around the world stuff or offshore racing. But you obviously see yourself as having a career in sailing, sort of beyond Rio. Yeah, I do. Yeah, sort of. When I took, started my electrical apprenticeship, I didn't know that, but um, now, yeah, I, you know, sailing's what I love doing. It's my passion, and if you know, I can make a living out of it, then that'll be pretty cool. I was talking to Olympic yachting silver medalist Blair Tuke, who, along with London 49er teammate Peter Burling, have confirmed their bid for the Rio Olympics in 2016. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Nearly 200 applications have been received for the vacant head coaching role at the Wellington Phoenix A-League Football Club. The club's seeking a replacement for Ricky Herbert, who recently resigned. The club's general manager, David Dome, says they hope to appoint a new coach within the next six weeks or so, with interviews expected to take place next month. Dome says there's been interest from high-caliber applicants, including some who have coached at the highest levels in Europe. He told Ben Robinson while there are some well-known applicants, it's important the club appoints someone who understands the club's vision. Where we have been pleasantly surprised is that we have got a quality of applicant that, um, while we're always hopeful of getting, uh, we've been very pleased that uh, the quality has been very good and has been very high. You've received applications from people who have coached at the highest levels in Europe. Are you talking national teams or club teams? What exactly? Yes, both. So we've, we've had applicants from uh, head coaches of national teams. Uh, we've had applications from people who have been head coaches in uh, English Premier League, in the Championship, in the Spanish First Division, um, and in some of the uh, other European competitions, uh, especially in Southeastern Europe. So, um, so we've had people from all over the world apply, and uh, no, no, very, very good applicants. What do you think the draw card is for them about Wellington? Well, I think there's a number of things. There's, there's obviously, New Zealand's got a exceptionally good. Um, profile in the, in the world in terms of being a fantastic place to live and, and to bring up a family and for a quality of life but you've got to couple that with the fact that the A-League has increased exposure and profile over the last couple of years especially with Del Piero and Heskey and Ono coming to the A-League it has enjoyed a, a profile on the world stage that um, is certainly ahead of where it was in, in those previous years so you couple all those things together, and I think there is a real uh, real interest in, in coming to this part of the world now to be a coach. Now, when the All Blacks were advertising for a head coach, they got uh, quite a number of, perhaps we'll say, tongue-in-cheek applications. Have you received any of those? Yeah, there's no doubt that you get, you're always going to get some of those. If, if you go, as soon as you go public, you'll get people who, uh, who, who you perhaps say don't have ideal qualifications or the skills and capabilities to be a head coach. Now, while we have got a, a number of those, it's not the majority. There certainly has been a few, uh, but it's not the majority. There is a lot of coaches who you'd probably call mid-range coaches who have come throughout, the, who are from all over the world, who probably won't have the exact uh, capabilities. But um, no, there's no doubt that we've got a few people who have been sort of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, are there any humorous ones that you can share? Uh, <laughs> we have a uh, we have a, a, a Twitter and Ernie Clark who's a you know is a, is a 
is a bit of a um, it's related, I guess, to our our mascot, um, Nixie, and his one was particularly good. Um, and while we'd love to interview him, he probably doesn't quite have the necessary skills to be a head coach of the Phoenix. So you're hoping to make an appointment within the next few weeks? Well, look, we, we the, the A-League off-season starts very soon. It's in, the, it's in the off-season when you obviously you pull together your team and your squads and start the, the off-season training. So we do need to get one together pretty quickly. Um, and having said, but having said that, we do want to make sure we take the time and get the right person and while we're not we're not necessarily going to appoint someone just because they're a named coach, we need to make sure that we appoint someone who is the best possible fit for the club um, um, and taking the club forward uh, over the next few years. So that's the most important thing for us, and we certainly hope that we can get that done um, over the next three to four weeks, uh, basically until the end of April. Is that to say that is there a danger that if you do hire somebody too high profile, they might not be happy with the resources and the players that you can provide them with here? Well, that's all, that, that's all the mix that, that goes into it. So when we, when we go through the process, we're going to make it absolutely clear what the, what the head coach is coming into. And if that head coach can sign up to the vision of the club and what uh, the, the resources available to him, then you know, we, we'd be comfortable with that. And, and we are getting um, all these applicants screened and vetted by third parties as well. So we're making sure we're going to get the right person. And they... All, both parties have to go into the things with their eyes open and know exactly what they're signing up for. That's Wellington Phoenix General Manager David Dome talking to Ben Robinson. The Phoenix play the Melbourne Victory in their final home game of the season on Sunday week. The Warriors have lost both of their opening National Rugby League matches and have another tough encounter against Cronulla in Sydney this weekend. Cronulla could perhaps be seen as a fragile side following the sacking of a number of their staff following the drugs investigation into Australian sport. Some members of the Warriors squad were in Wellington this week to promote their match against Canterbury Bankstown at Westpac Stadium in May, their first home game ever out of Auckland. Coach Matt Elliott was asked whether that game will actually feel like a home match. Yeah, why not? Um, I think that what sets home games aside from other games is yeah, the facilities you know you tend to be more familiar with and you don't have to travel quite as far uh, to get to particularly for us but I think it's more about the fans and you know the energy that comes down from the stands so my, I'm anticipating a, you know a really strong Warriors following here and so that's going to make you know make it a home game for us for sure. You're looking ahead to the weekend's game against the Sharks you must have seen a distinct improvement in the, uh, in the first two games um, what are you looking for probably a continuation in the same direction but again I think what's really important for us is to you know to, to make sure that we have a standard and that we never slip below that um, and you know, sometimes with modern rugby league you know the score lines won't always indicate the level of effort that both teams have put in um, that's just the nature of the beast but um, you know I think everyone else can you know, I was just saying there that some of the ex-players is that you know you want the assessment from your mum who doesn't watch much footy anymore and get and go well, at least everyone had a crack so and that's you know that's as while that sounds very simplistic that's probably the most complex part of the game is making sure that everyone's mentality is ready to you know to produce that level of energy no team's obviously an easy beat in the NRL but do you think this early in the season's probably like a better time to have the Sharks given what they've gone through or do you think it doesn't really matter Oh, I don't know if you watched them play on Monday night, but they played you know, a really highly fancy team and they were unlucky not to win. So um, I think that's what they've been able to build up over a few years. You know, and that takes is, is a resolve 
and a, and a culture that accepts nothing less regardless of the circumstances. So, you know, we're, we're heading in that direction. I wouldn't like it to take a couple of years for us. I think it can, can happen quicker than that. But, um, you know, we need to, again, demonstrate that, that in that, that side of the game we can compete. And I've got a huge amount of uh, confidence and faith in the, in the quality of the players we've got. If we do that, we'll win a lot of games of footy. So what you've, what's happened to the club, Cronulla? You haven't seen any issues filtering down as far as the way they're playing on the field? Their first two games, the resolve they showed, I thought was outstanding. You know, they only lost by two points, um, and their first win was a really hard-fought win against a, a team that's opened the season very well. Hasn't lost, you know, Titans haven't lost a trial match, and um, you know they've only they won really well on the weekend against Canberra. So they played a pretty, you know, pretty much an informed team. So they, the Cronulla side, will be a massive handful for us, and they've got a lot of high-quality players in their outfit as well. You talked about wanting your players to play at their very best. Uh, is that due to perhaps a few changes that you've brought in that has taken them a little while to adjust? Why perhaps has that not happened yet? I think that's understandable. That um, you know that we've we've got a, we've got a, an injury list that I'd prefer was a, a lot shorter than it is. So we've got some high quality players that aren't aren't available to us. Um, but you know I'm adapting to a new playing staff and they're adapting to a new coach. And it's all been, you know, highly, you know, functional as far as what. But but again, we've got to take it from the training field onto the playing field. So there's you know, there's some certainly new approaches that they're adapting to out there on the field, and some you know, what we need to do is is rather than make the expectations that the Warriors have on them, you know, you know, there's one team that represents New Zealand that can't make that a burden. That's got to be an honour and something that we really relish. And uh, you know, I think that that hasn't always been the case. That's Warriors coach Matt Elliott. After winning gold in the double at the London Games, Nathan Cohen is rowing in the quad at this weekend's World Cup regatta in Sydney. Cohen's Olympic teammate Joseph Sullivan failed to qualify for the Sydney regatta due to injury. But Cohen is rowing in the quad alongside his brother Hayden. It's the first time a World Cup event has been held outside of Europe and most European teams have decided not to attend. Nathan Cohen told Ben Robinson it's disappointing that more Northern Hemisphere teams haven't made the trip. It's always one of those hard ones. Obviously, it's quite early in the season. And, you know, being from New Zealand, you know, every year we head to Europe to sort of support the races over there. And, you know, it can be a little disappointing when they don't all come to the side of the world to compete. But that's the sort of reality of it. And with the timing of it all, it's, uh, there's uh, yeah, probably less entries than what you'd probably normally see at a World Cup. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the quality crews are still here. So... It's probably not quite the same depth, but the standard of racing still be pretty high. I think I heard arguments from the German team that March is just too far out of their season to commit to a regatta. Perhaps the, the timing of the regatta is not so flash. Could it be moved a bit closer to their summer, do you think? Yeah, but then at the same time, it's sort of coming out of the New Zealand and Australian summer, and it's uh, yeah, it's hard to get that balance. And you know, to be honest, it's probably um, something I don't really think too much about. But it, yeah, it's, it's always tough. You got to balance up. You know, you got two different hemispheres that sort of want to meet somewhere to have a regatta. And yeah, with the timing, it is difficult, and it's very early on for us as well. The only advantage we have, I think, is that we've obviously had a summer season, whereas they're coming out of winter. But it's sort of no different when it's the other way around, and we head over to Europe. So. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully over time the, the right balance can be reached and we might get a few more entries. So let's talk about you now and this regatta. You won't be in the boat with your old mate Joseph Sullivan. Yeah, no, it's uh, obviously something a bit different. When I 
committed to sort of coming back after London. I, I sort of wanted a change of a boat. I've been in the, the double for two Olympic cycles, so yeah, sort of refreshing to sort of almost to have that sort of change. And I'm sort of looking forward to the new challenge of being in the quad, and which is very much sort of a development crew. So that, that's pretty exciting as well. And but at the same time, obviously, I've been with Joe for the last three years, so it is a bit different, sort of heading away and racing in a different boat and a different crew, but. Yeah, you know, start of a new cycle, and you know, it's sort of, it's nice to have that sort of change and, and, and a bit of a break from it all. So you don't think you'll reunite with Joseph? Um, well, obviously, this is the first year of our Olympic cycle, and you know, the, we had our team for the, the Sydney World Cup, and we obviously got trials later on in the year, which will determine our cha- uh, crews for the World Championships in September, and, and that's when those final crews will be sorted out for the year, and we'll see what happens there. But at the moment, for me, it's sort of about trying to build back up to. To where I know, I know I can be, and sort of yeah, um, yeah, looking forward to racing this weekend. So it must be nice to be in the boat alongside your brother. Yeah, it's something a bit different. I've never actually done a full race with him yet. So we had it raced our national together, and this is our our first year in New Zealand team together. So it's pretty exciting, obviously, with him being six years younger than me. It's uh, yeah, something that I, I didn't know if it would happen in our careers, but it's nice that it's sort of you know you almost crossed over, and we get this opportunity to race together. And you know, I'm pretty excited about doing that as well. New Zealand boats, especially the the bigger boats, didn't really feature at the Olympics. Would you like to see the quad or, or perhaps the four getting up there again? It, it, it's um, obviously with New Zealand rowing, we're focused on the smaller boats, and you know, over time as we build up more depth, hopefully we bring through some more people that those sort of fringe boats do, do get up. And, and and the quad we had in London was obviously, you know, they were exceptionally good crew, and they were very unlucky that she didn't miss out on making the final, but they've always been there or thereabouts. So we can sort of almost build on what they've sort of started, that would be pretty encouraging. But at the same time, you know, we're all learning so much. And for me, it's completely new and completely different. And I'm actually still learning every day. So, you know, hopefully over time, we can hopefully get a, a competitive quad for New Zealand that's up there as well as some of our smaller boats. And that would be pretty exciting to see. Where do you think your competition will come from? Is it going to be the English? Yeah, uh, definitely Great Britain and also Australia. Australia are actually bronze medalists in the in the quad from the London Olympics. So obviously they've got an exceptionally strong quad and, and then you've got Great Britain who have consistently sort of been around the finals and pushing for those medals. So yeah, we've got pretty two tough entries in, in Great Britain and Australia and I'm pretty sure the pace will come from between those two. And are you feeling confident? Yeah, no, we are. We've had a great week. We've only been together a week in the quad, so... But just in that week, how much we've improved is pretty exciting. And it's always nice to sort of see where you sort of stack up against the, the rest of the world early on in the season. And you know, that's pretty much where we're at. It's trying to find out, you know, how we're going, you know, where we stack up and, and we'll probably reassess after this. But I'm well, feeling pretty good and, you know, hopefully we have a good weekend. That's Olympic rowing gold medalist Nathan Cohen talking to Ben Robinson. And that's the end of the programme for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us at Extra Time, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.